everyone. Welcome back to The Witching Hour. I am Perry. This is Haley. Hello. And we're talking a lot of spooky news today. Yeah, we are. Spooky news and, and some WandaVision, I guess, reviewing, theorizing a little bit. And um, I know your mom was super into it. Mine was too, but now she's not so much because now it's really MCU again. Okay. So, so I've, I've lost that medium of someone to talk to. We're recording during the day on Friday. Mom and M's usually likes to watch it Friday evening, but I will bring you a report next week to know if this episode has actually lost her or not. Because I thought the last episode might have, but she was still pretty into it. Oh, that's cool. My mom was like, I don't care about all this. I just care about them. She definitely had questions. Like I'm trying to to explain the, the snap and the blip and end game to her. And I feel like... I feel like I shouldn't say this idea out loud because I should just do it myself. But someone needs to create, you know, everything you need to know in order to enjoy WandaVision without having watched any of the MCU. Because <laughs> my mom, my mom would really benefit from a video like that. Uh, my mom just yesterday, the rapper who got a diamond grafted into her forehead, she was seeing people make a lot of vision jokes about it. And like she's watching oh. the first episodes of WandaVision but she comes up she goes so what happened to Vision in the movies oh yeah Yeah. that's important context that's a fair question I just got like a little headache as you said that what a thing to do I know I mean if it's that important to that person go for it but I'm not doing anything like that not a not something you want to get you don't want things stolen from your face which Vision learned the hard way Oh, God. I would not draft valuables into my face, personally. Yeah, I, I'd take a pass on that as well. <laughs> for for anyone out there who is not fully caught up on WandaVision, do not worry. We're going to save that for our last section of the show. So there's still going to be lots for you to enjoy today. Do we want to just jump right into it? Do we want to make any announcements? Should Should we? I don't know. We did like. Should we announce the thing that we've just recorded that's coming up? I think we teased it last time, but let's okay. announce it for real. I'm gonna leave that in your hands because you're more involved than I am, and you know more of the specifics. Okay. Well, you guys know I can't shut up about Real Love Fest, which I helped program and love. It's very hard to talk about without saying love too much. But um, Perry and I. We're we're lucky enough, additionally, that I didn't arrange this for the record. I just helped pick the movies in the festival. Um, the, the lovely Matts over at Certified Forgotten invited us to come on to a special episode uh, that's being programmed at the festival in the podcast section and events. And we talked about a little underseen movie from last year called Breaking Surface, a nice dose of aquatic survival horror. Uh, many opinions were flying around. Lovely times were had. It, it was a hoot. We shot that yesterday and it will be available when the festival launches on February 10th. There you guys go. Do keep an eye on that because it was a good conversation. I was glad we did that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Not that I was surprised at all because I love both mats and I know they do good stuff, but to be kind of in the thick of it, uncertified, forgotten, and like caught up in their vibe, like you guys, you really have something here. Well, also, okay. So for folks who don't know, certified, forgotten, also, I agree. They totally have something going great there, but um, they focus on talking about movies that have less than five reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And 
I have been trying to find one that I want to talk about for so long. So I'm just tickled pink that they were like, we found one. Come on and do it. So I'm guilty of the same exact thing with them. But for whatever reason, and this might have just been me mishearing the premise right out the gate, I always thought it was a movie with five or less reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that was rotten. So I'm sure I've found options over the last year, and I just haven't brought them to Matt because I thought it wouldn't count. Gotcha. That is, I mean, it's hard enough just to find a movie you care about with less than five reviews, but especially if it has to be rotten. Well, that was my own movie that nobody saw and nobody liked that you want to talk about. That's a high... Seriously, no wonder I could never come up with a title. Right. I'm just not good at it because I still can't find it. (laughs) But we didn't have to. We talked about Breaking Surface. It's a good chat. You should check it out. I will say I am still surprised that that movie doesn't have more than five reviews. But you can hear more about that on that actual episode. Do we want to get into our first topic for today? Yeah, let's do it. So this one's kind of cool to cover because it's something that we might have blabbed about when we had these filmmakers on The Witching Hour. So I'm looking at a Deadline article right now, and the headline reads, for the most part at least, that uh, Universal TV is developing a TV adaptation of Save Yourselves. And that's really cool because we... We spoke pretty extensively about that and all the ideas that they had teased for, you know, life beyond that one feature film for the movie is something that I would genuinely watch. I did happen to love Save Yourselves, but there's a there's a lot of opportunity there, especially if they get the opportunity to make a show with a bigger budget behind it. I'm curious to see how that winds up changing things. I also really appreciate the idea of like, the volume a show gives you in terms of um, narrative opportunity, because I love how focused the movie was on this core couple. But as if you guys didn't see it, go check it out. It's a really fun horror comedy sci-fi. But And then watch our episode with them, because they did go pretty in-depth about their hopes for this whole universe mm-hmm. they built in this very, like, not to say narrowly focused, but wisely focused uh, character piece they built this whole freaking world around that. And I, I love the idea that they'll have a series length to explore that instead of, you know, a sequel length or something like that. Hey, I wrote a whole feature piece on poofs and yeah. I, don't, I don't feel tapped out in that department. So if we're going to get more poofs, I'm going to keep writing about them. <laughs> yeah. And something I really enjoyed when we spoke to them was like, they knew the identity of the individual poofs, you know, like you don't necessarily pick all that up when you're watching it unless you like dive in and give it a second watch. And because they're, they're poofs, they don't have faces. It's kind of hard to tell them apart unless you're really looking for it. Yeah, um, but they have put the thought in is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If you had your choice for how that show is structured, what would you pick? Because this kind of could tap into a format I would really like to see, not even just for this concept, but in general, I think uh, I think this idea has uh, more value than anyone ever realizes or bothers to tap into, the idea of having more of an anthology format where you have poofs attacking and you just see with each episode a different person or a different group of people responding. I think that could be super fun. But based on what they told us about how much thought they put into the future and the world, I would prefer to see after, I think. 
So you th- you think it would be after? I think that's more interesting. All right. After just to clarify, after set on Earth. Uh, yeah. After the initial, um, you know, the uh, initial invasion. Gosh, how hard are words? Oh, well, Friday. Uh, words are hard. On Friday again. Uh, yeah, the invasion, like it doesn't necessarily not have to be on earth, but I just mean like after that first wave, Mm -hmm. but I, I agree. Like, I think you're right. And that that it has tremendous anthology format and that's kind of where my mind went first. I just, with the added knowledge of how much thought they've put into exploring that world, I, I would like to see more of that. You know, I think in general, I tend to be drawn to that idea when, uh, when you're in the middle of a, of a, of an apocalyptic story, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. I just love the idea of watching uh, watching different people respond different ways to extreme scenarios like that, whether it was a meteor, whether it was poofs or a zombie apocalypse, you name it. It's extremely Perry because I know you're one of your favorite things is to think, what would I do? So this gives you like, With you know, outcome. an anthological portrait of outcomes. See, I think... If I add this into my apocalyptic scenarios, I think I would be least likely to survive save yourselves compared to just about anything else because I'm the asshole that regardless of what, like even if I knew what the poofs were capable of, there's no way I would be able to stop myself from reaching out and trying to touch it, thinking, even if I know it can't happen, thinking I could befriend a poof. (laughs) Can I also tell you, I was... uh, I mean, at this point, I could say it because I think my mom knows what her birthday gift is. Um, her her birthday is tomorrow, and she's not going to watch happy this. Birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Mom and Ems. And the day we're recording is my sister's birthday. They have back well, happy birthday times too. Yeah, it's a it's a fun filled birthday week in the Never Off household. But I was looking online because I wanted to buy her um, a new desk for her computer, and there there was a poof in a desk picture that looked exactly like cabin poof. And I almost bought that desk because cabin poof spoke to me. It's just good marketing. It's niche marketing. <laughs> Seriously. <But it> works. <laughs> you never know who's going to look at your, your pictures and what movies they've seen. All right. Do we want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's taking me so long to bring up links guys. My, uh, my computer and Google Chrome are not getting along lately. Yeah, if you guys notice any sudden cuts in this episode, it's because our Chromes keep crashing. <laughs> yeah, if anyone else is having the same problem and knows a quick fix, drop your thoughts in the comment section below. I would genuinely like to hear them. So I got the next story ready. It's an American Horror Story update because Sarah Paulson apparently was busy talking to Entertainment Weekly, and she shared a tease for her character in American Horror Story Season 10. So she began by saying that the character I'm playing this year on Horror Story has some issues. Let's just put it that way. And then went on to later reveal, I have a hair color I've never had in life, nor in the show. That's what I can tell you. And I have a great name I have a great name, which I can't tell you. I have a love-hate relationship with uh, American Horror Story theorizing. Those promos that they release, they they drive me off my mind. As much as I am a fan of the show and will always watch the show no matter what, it feels like an obnoxious device 
to spark conversation that usually never leads anywhere, or at least doesn't until the last minute. I kind of like the, I don't like this game that's being played in the press and I never do for any, it's not American Horror Story specific. I don't care if it's Christopher Nolan's latest mystery box, J.J. Abrams, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I understand it's the game. We have to ask the questions. The actors aren't allowed to answer them. But like, this is such a nothing statement. Like, she always has funny looking characters with cool names and a lot of problems. And so I do get from those those initial trailers and teases, I enjoy the fun of trying to put together the pieces and go, oh. what is, and you're right, it doesn't usually go anywhere. Often those, those first uh, teasers are nothing more than like a feeling that they're trying mm -hmm. to get with the genre of the season, but I do enjoy that process. Okay, I think I start enjoying the process as, as soon as they release the, uh, the season title cards. I think, I think the, the opening title sequence St like still to this day is always one of my favorite things about American Horror Story. So once they release that, I'll be satisfied. We should rank those on the site. I just That'd be like... a great idea. <laughs> I think I, I feel like I might regret this when I sign off and realize how much work I have to do. But I wouldn't mind volunteering for that. I would love your take. I think of anyone on the staff, you are like the most invested for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, I still haven't watched uh, 1984 in full though. I don't even know if I watched it in full or if I just watched the beginning and the end. I, I, watched, know. I watched the first four episodes because I was covering it for whatever reason. And then it was one of those things where like I got so overloaded in other departments and didn't need to actively be covering it. And I just never went back to it. But I mean, I probably will at this point gearing up for the next season. Yeah, you kind of have to now. At the beginning, it didn't matter, but it's pretty clear that they're doing a connectivity tissue. Even when they say they're not, there's going to be yeah. some over. I know, I know. And also, you know me, I'm a completist. It, like, it bothers me that I'm missing one. Like, I'm missing one of nine. Why? Yeah, you'll, you'll, get, you'll knock it out in one weekend. Yeah, but back to her quotes here. I mean, there's so little... There's so little I can say about them without having any idea really what the season is about. I know, I mean, I know there's theories out there and everything, but like I'm, I am, I guess, putting some some emphasis on the value of what she's saying about a name. It makes me think that maybe it's going to be a familiar name, and I don't mean familiar in the American Horror Story world, but maybe something yeah. that uh, something that has some sort of meaning and value beyond it. Whether it's a real life person, whether you know, like what, what, what's like the thing fictional. right now? Like, you know, the, the mermaid, the mermaid theory, it's like, oh, oh well that, who, let me give credit to, to Allie who wrote this article, but um, they were writing, hold on, let me get to the right paragraph here. There's some, I'm like all over the place in this article. Oh, all right. I got it here. So they write, now, if our previous theories about the American Horror Story 10 poster, which revolve around the possibility the new season will involve mermaids or sirens coming up on land to wreak havoc, are remotely true, then Paulson's te teases seem to support it. So it's a fair point that the hair color would make sense. And when it comes when it comes to the name, it makes me think, you know, what if it's some sort of like goof on Disney and it's Ariel or something like that, like just something with... Uh, with with meaning beyond an American Horror Story character is what I'm getting at. 
I could see that. That's funny. I totally hadn't heard that theory. Um, and I love it. That would be so, it's just, it opens up exactly the right level of camp for the show. Like sirens and mermaids. That is perfectly ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I guess that poster that they're referring to could suggest that, but it, it I, like, I'm looking at it right now. It could also suggest a million other things too. A million. This is what I was talking about. <laughs> what we were both talking about how it's fun, but it's usually totally wrong and goes nowhere. Like, like why, why, why are teeth like that and getting a tongue tattoo? Why is that specifically pointing to mermaids and sirens and nothing else? I would have to I would have to seek the help of Reddit, I think, on this because I don't yeah. know. It, it could be there's some lore about that. Uh, I was trying to to see if I could quickly Google some sort of answer, but I am oh not. Wait, I need to read you the rest of Allie's theory because now I've navigated back to the poster article and I'm kind of hoping they're right. Okay. So with all this in mind, I'll weigh in with my own theory. In light of everything we know, I'm thinking a AHS season 10 will revolve around a group of sirens driven from the ocean thanks to global warming. Huh? <laughs> and we'll proceed to wreak havoc on the residents of uh, Provincetown, Massachusetts, primarily the men. I can't think of a juicier blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. That's a pretty good idea there. Not bad. If, if, if it's not American Horror Story's theme, she should just write that screenplay. Seriously. Thanks. I'm into it. All right. Do we want to go into monster territory? I mean, I guess we kind of tiptoed in that direction with that theory. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect monster transition. Actually, it's just a monsterific episode. Seriously. So right now we're going to clump our news stories together that all have something to do with an upcoming monster movie beginning with the director of Nomadland and Eternals, Chloe Zhao, who is apparently directing a Dracula movie conceived as a sci-fi Western. According to the Hollywood reporter, the new iteration of Dracula will be an original futuristic sci-fi Western. Zhao will also produce the movie and I think that's, oh, wait, we got more. We got more. Per THR, Zhao's Dracula is expected to find the character either living on or feasting on the fringes of society, an area, now that's contextualizing, um, but I mean, it doesn't, I, like, I love the monster movies. I don't care what Chloe Zhao directs next. I'm going to see it no matter what. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I am intrigued be just between this and, um, oh no, the brain thing's happening again. Uh, oh no. The director of another film, oh shit. Uh, this week clearly almost broke me. Isa Lopez, Christ. Oh, yes. Because uh, she's doing that Western werewolf or working yeah, on yeah. Um, like that like are we going to start seeing a lot of western genre hybrids it's not like to my personal taste all the time I'm not a big western person but I think that the, the talent involved makes me wonder why these filmmakers are being drawn to that genre I don't know if it's necessary I mean I think it's partially the the genre but you know, when, when someone goes to Blumhouse and Universal for one of these movies, I do kind of understand, based on the success Lee Wanell found with Invisible Man, not just in terms of the quality of the, the movie, the end result, but also his experience making it. I mean, it, 
from my limited uh, perspective, it does seem like he had creative control to tell the story he wanted. It wasn't tied to some sort of big franchise like what they were cooking up with Dark Universe. It just, you know, if someone wants to take a popular, iconic monster character and truly put their own spin on it, it seems to be a good place to do it. And, you know, maybe, maybe that quality is true with other, with other um, production entities as well right now. I'm trying to, so I think this one is just universal, I think, but, but you reminded me of a good point, which is that Blumhouse and universal are still said to be developing the Karen Kusama take on Dracula at the same time. I would be, I think, I think you're right on that because only Universal is mentioned at the beginning of this article, at least. Um, I would be really surprised if Chloe Zhao signed up to do this and felt any sort of limitation whatsoever, given the success she's had in in other in her other films. But I, I'm also a big believer that Eternals is going to come out and it's going to feel very, very, very much uniquely hers. I am so, so curious about that film. Yeah. Um, and especially, I just, wow, all the questions. I, I could be a whole like three hour episode of just me asking questions about that movie. But yes. we did like, because I was at um, CCXP a year and a half, two, a year and a half, whatever, the one before the world fell apart, we did get to see a little glimpse of Eternals footage there. And it, it looked so cool, but it was also so fast moving and like, um, rapid fire that I it's almost not even in my memory anymore and only leaves me with more freaking questions I, it's just like this memory of something that tasted really good but you can't taste it anymore if that makes sense as a metaphor I feel like that makes it sound kind of sad <laughs> well I am sad I, feel, I saw that so long ago and it's still the only thing I've really seen of it I'm That's hungry good. for Eternals is where this metaphor is going yeah, as am I. I didn't get to see any uh, glorious footage, but I was at the uh, the D23 when they ushered the cast out on stage. And even though we didn't see anything and all we did was see them standing in front of, I think it was just their concept art. It was still, it was really cool. It was really cool and really exciting. It was, it, from what I remember of it, so like epic looking in a way that you don't associate with MCU epic and like yeah. house style. It looked different and exciting and i hope that is what we're going to see as the theme um of the new phase which certainly wandavision suggests they are willing to play with visual elements in a new way yeah i i have a feeling it's going down down that path now and i like it yes all right next up here yeah what is going on with paul feig Ah, well, I believe this comes from an interview that he did with Christina Radish, right? Yes, I see yeah. it now. So he, they were busy talking for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which I'm going to plug again because it's amazing and no one's watching it. Or at least it seems like no one's watching it. Go watch it. During their conversation, uh, she also brought up uh, Dark Army, and he had a little something to say about that. Here's the quote. Oh, Dark Army. I love that project so much. I think the studio thinks it's a little too expensive, perhaps. 
God is my witness. I'm going to make that movie. I'm so obsessed with making that movie. One of the many reasons why I was drawn to doing this current Netflix movie is that there's a lot of stuff I can work out in it as far as effects and all that that I can bring to Dark Army. I love it. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. It's one of my favorite lead characters I've ever come up with. So fingers crossed that we will make it someday. All of that makes sense. And when he says it like that, I kind of believe him. I know everybody always says, yes, I want to make like, why wouldn't you say anything else? But I want to make it. Yeah. That I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I'm I'm reading it to myself, but it sounds genuine to me. And he's a real prolific filmmaker. If anyone can make it happen, even at a high cost, I think it's him. I agree. And also, like, just in terms of genuineness, he's a genuine dude. Like, I don't think he's spinning a lot of bullshit in interviews. He's just not that guy. Um, I want to see it so bad. And Fig is one of those filmmakers that doesn't always land for me. But when his movies do land for me, I watch them obsessively. I I really want to see a monster movie through his lens. Mm -hmm. And I love that they think it's too expensive. That's not at all what I expected from his like type of filmmaking necessary. I mean, I guess I maybe should because of Ghostbusters, but like, um, I just, it says such interesting things to me about where they're at, especially after, you know, after the incident of the mummy and the dark universe that they are, they are veering lower budget, uh, which is great. But I also don't want that to be like a house rule that precludes us from seeing something like this that sounds so exciting. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a long-term house rule, but when you look at what they've got cooking right now, it definitely feels like they have a plan and they're sticking to it. Yeah. Like, I'm just lo- like, where where are we at right now? We have, we have uh, Karn Kusama's Dracula. We have the Wolfman movie with Ryan Gosling. We have... Um, the Dracula we were just talking about. What, what am I missing? I feel like I'm missing things. I think so too, but I don't know what. Uh, is there an Invisible Man sequel happening? Did I make that up? I think you might be right. I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what what searching this right now is going to do because I'm just going to get a whole bunch of Invisible Man articles. Um, there's a new Van Helsing movie. From the director uh, yeah. Overlord in the works at uh, Universal. That is like yeah. the one that was killing me. Regardless of the specifics, it does. Oh, and also apparently Bride of Frankenstein is still alive as reported in June of 2020. It's got to be a different take, right? Let me see. A different take as compared to what specifically? What they were doing in the Dark Universe. Oh, that I would imagine, yeah. <laughs> um, well, because that was one of the few that was talked about like very openly. Maybe it's just because the filmmaker like likes to say things in interviews more than other filmmakers. Yeah, but that was one of the dark universe movies that didn't happen. That like we knew a decent amount about the direction. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't be surprised if this one actually happened. I mean, but not like you said, not in the same way that it was planned to before, but as its own, its own little thing. But the point, the point being is it feels like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of very contained smaller stories being told right now. And I feel like they're going to stick with that until 
you know, a point, a point comes where they feel like they've run their course or maybe stop seeing significant returns on those movies. And then, cause like, it's inevitable in Hollywood, especially when you're associated with, or you just flat out are a big studio at one point, you're going to feel the need to shake it up to make more. And you know, when that time does come, Paul Feig's movie seems like the way to go. I, I hope so. And I also did find a quote on Bride of Frankenstein from us that kind of reinforces exactly what you're saying in terms of like they're sticking to a new approach. Um, it's from David Cope. Is that how you pronounce it? Cap? K-O-E-P-P? I don't know how to pronounce words. I've, I said Dave, David Kep. And then, I've heard, and then I've been told I was wrong. So now I get hesitant to say it. That individual told <laughs> us, uh, who, who was attached to write the previous version of Bright and Frankenstein, said, that was one thing I did during, qu- during quarantine. I brought back Bright of Frankenstein into a place where I kind of always wanted it to be. Universal was very gracious to let me try again because they had geared up and shut down famously in the Dark Universe fiasco. Well, not a fiasco, but a disappointment. So I have a version now, and they have a version that we all really like. I think they're talking to directors now. So that was from last year. And um, yeah, it sounds uh, like they've, they've firmly got in mind what they're going for now as a contrast to a previous version. I'm going I'm going down like a weird little tangent road right now, but I was just so you know how Sundance just ended. Mm-hmm. I was doing an interview for a movie and the 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 formatting of the title is strange, but it like it's making me think of David Kep, which I'm like a hundred percent sure it's Kep, but now I'm judging myself because someone's gonna tell me I'm wrong and then I'm gonna feel bad. But like when you when you read things on pages all the time, like a like a title or something, and you never have to say it out loud until you do. And it oh, just yeah. like it fucks with my head all the time. And this movie that I was covering, the title is written, the letter R, then a hashtag, then the letter J. Tell me what that movie is. What would you say out loud? Um <laughs> R don't, don't overthink. I, I would just say like R hash J or something. I don't know. <laughs> So for the two weeks leading up to Sundance, when I'm busy talking to, you know, like our circle and our friends and stuff about what I'm so excited to see, I'm busy running around being like, I have to see our hashtag J. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently that was just a formatting choice. And the room, the movie is just straightforward called Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Big De Niro face to that whole situation. I feel like that De Niro face came from your SEO love and heart. Because <laughs> that <laughs> came from a lot of heart. places. <laughs> also, like, that's not the title. Like, you can't have, that's not how titles work. I don't understand. Nobody's going to, maybe they'll do good marketing, <laughs> but that's not how titles work. I know. I know. I found it a little frustrating myself, <laughs> but I admire what that uh, what that director uh, attempted to do. It's basically uh, Romeo and Juliet screen life mashup, and I've never seen anything quite like it. That's interesting. I just can't wait for all the, uh, let's say, people who didn't grow up with the internet to call it R-Pound-J. 
I should I should just ask my mom what, what she would call it. I'm really curious now. I think she would probably say our hashtag J. My mom's pretty like hip to all the social media slang. Everyone's catching up. Or it's like, do you watch Cobra Kai? Uh, I I have seen parts, but I'm not. There's like a, a running joke with Johnny not being able to use the internet. So he would be right. like, our, our hash brown J. <laughs> and I kind of want to call him that too. All right. Do we want to go on to our last monster story? Yes. All yes. right. This one, I'm reading from a report on Empire right now. The headline of the article is Yorgos Lanthimos and Emma Stone reportedly reuniting for Frankenstyle for Franken geez, Friday Frankenstein style tale poor things like as in the mm-hmm. title is poor things <laughs> I guess so. the movie is called poor things there weren't any quotes in the headlines I'm like I don't know <laughs> Um, it Catherine is poor things they have to work with each other again. I just like, yeah, I <laughs> like that for a minute. Apparently, it's an adaptation of a novel, and the story would find Stone as Bella Baxter, a, vol- a volatile, oversexed, uh, emancipated woman, and a female Frankenstein. After drowning herself to escape her abusive husband, Bella's brain is replaced by that of her unborn. Oh my god that of her unborn child this is a lot i should have read this article before <laughs> yeah well yeah and just to to give the credit correctly then empire goes on to say it's all according to a report from the film stage which spotted a notice in production weekly so just so you guys have the path there but wow yeah that's a, that's a log line yeah it's what wow so first of all like immediately have to try to see if this book is available to read because uh, I don't even want to wait for the movie to know what that's all about. Um, yeah. But obviously on board, obviously. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about this that doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> not, not one thing. I was obsessed with the favorite. I don't, Yorgos is another filmmaker who like doesn't always hit for me, but when he does, it's like, oh, I'm obsessed with it. Hmm. And uh, Emma Stone's amazing. And this logline is genuinely psychotic. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, the favorite was my favorite movie of what was it, 2019? Don't ask me. 18? Years? I don't know. Years. Um, I think it was probably 18. I think it definitely was 18. It was 18. But anyway, <laughs> I will watch anything those two individuals are associated with. I'll give everything a shot and I'll always have faith in them because I think they are both very talented filmmakers. That log line gives me pause, though. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to pull off. And it sounds like a lot to pull off. Well, maybe that's an unfair judgment to make without reading the book in full and having a full sense of what the story is. But... <laughs> That sounds like a mighty big swing to me. I feel like any Lanthimos film, if you boiled it down to a logline, would sound like a lot, though. That is fair. That is a good point. Pretty much he thrives in dysfunction and and uh, pushing boundaries and taboo. That's kind of his whole thing. True, which could also contribute to making his filmography hit and miss for some. 
Yeah. And even, I've never been like, oh, that's offensive. I don't like that. It's just like sometimes the vibe isn't doesn't pass the vibe check for me. The lobster didn't pass the vibe check for me. I thought it was really well made, great performances. It just didn't bring me in. I didn't care. Okay. Yeah. I kind of like the lobster, but not as much as the favorite, obviously. And Killing of a Sacred Deer, man, I didn't stop thinking about that movie for a long time. I love that movie. And I love Dog Tooth. So really, it's just a lot. I just really don't care for the lobster, I guess, is what okay. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, uh like spiritually offensive as such a big fan of both colin farrell and rachel weiss but it is what it is we have come to the end of our monster lineup does that mean it's time for wandavision talk yeah all right so this is what's happening right now we have all watched episode five of wandavision if you have not you just hit pause on this video, you go watch the show, and then when you're ready, you come right back to this video and press play, and the conversation will continue. But this is your one and only spoiler warning for WandaVision Episode 5. Don't listen to us if you haven't seen it. Oh. All right, Kelly. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about everything right now? I love this show so much because every single person's theory has been wrong every week. Like everyone I talk to is like, I think this is happening. And then the next week is like, yep, nope, that's not it at all. Um, and so I guess I'm feeling along for the ride. I'm honestly almost past trying to outsmart the show and just like, all right, just take me there. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm past it, but I think the, I think it's a very, uh, like the show very naturally sparks that inclination to try to figure yeah. everything out. I'm not like, I don't feel like I'm, you know, wading through insignificant details, trying to make something of them. Like I just like, I genuinely just can't help it. It's fun to think about it. I definitely have been guilty of wading through insignificant details, trying to make some like over the last few weeks, I have gone way too deep into the rabbit hole and, uh, I'm not saying I won't do it again. I absolutely will. I'm coming for you this weekend, Reddit. I will be reading. But uh, I just, I, I, I am enjoying the constantly being wrong. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of enjoying it. But I also think I'm still, I think I'm still semi-right on Wanda being uh, at least a, par a partial puppet master of what's going on in Westview. But now... Now I have another very big theory and I've already been told I'm wrong, mm -hmm. which makes me want to shout about it even more. Please shout the loudest you can. So you know how Wanda is, is controlling everything going on inside there to a degree. Mm -hmm. I think she is being forced to control it for everyone's sake, because there's a more menacing figure that created it to begin with. And I feel like that individual might be Loki. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad like you did, like your expression didn't drop. And I wasn't just like wrong. <laughs> I mean, I definitely believe that she's not fully in control. That mm -hmm. to me seems very clear. Yeah. Um, Loki is very interesting. I, I mean, can I ask you, can I ask you this real quick though? Yeah. When you're looking at their kids, do you not see Loki and Thor in their kids? The, the hair, the color scheme of their clothing, that can't be an accident. Interesting. I'll have to 
to keep that in mind revisiting the episode i mean my instinct is more Catherine Hahn's character is in cahoots with some happenings, but I don't, you could, it's like the thing about the show that I love is that it could be anything. And that's what I mean. Everybody's wrong all the time. Uh, everybody thinks it's Mephisto. Maybe it is. Maybe that's what they want you to think. Maybe it's a little too obvious. I don't know. Uh, but I definitely, I am pretty convinced that Catherine Hahn is up to no good. She wants those fucking kids. As I said, <laughs> first time we talked about it, um, she was trying to get them all horned up. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's also very good casting because who doesn't love Catherine Hahn? The Loki element is so curious because he's such a wild card right now in the as to his future yeah. role in the franchise. That's why I don't think you can ever close that door because... Right. Who knows what he's capable of with with the Tesseract, and who knows what what timelines are even anymore? And right. I, I don't know. And I I want to I want to give a certain someone credit, but I don't know if he wants me to say his name out loud, so I'm not. But I'm going to tell you that this wasn't a, an idea I came up with myself. Someone else was uh, telling me a little bit about it, but I mean, it's quite obvious now that we have a play to bring mutants into Wandavision into the MCU through WandaVision mm -hmm. and it 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 feels like it could be a situation where the the mutants that we know might all right no wait I'm gonna backtrack it does feel like Quicksilver can run fast enough that maybe he was able to get right through it so he could he could still be we could still be in the same timeline and he could be helping someone and now I'm thinking also maybe, uh, like, given what happened in the episode, maybe uh, Darcy and Jimmy Woo kind of go off on their own thing to help save the people in there rather than destroy them. And maybe they had a connection with uh, Quicksilver and brought him in. But as far as the idea of him being the other Quicksilver and not the Pietro that we met in Ultron, maybe that's some sort of you know, master plan of, of Loki's to, to bring the mutants from another realm into this one in order to, I don't know, like, you know, achieve a nefarious goal or something. But I think he's like ripping things at the seams and, you know, putting mutants into the scenario. That's interesting. I, I've, why not? I, I, I love it as a theory. I mean, like I said, I, I'm done trying to outmaneuver the show. I, I'm trying to focus on what they have shown us, which is like, again, brings me back to uh, Agnes. And something that I thought was really interesting watching the episode a second time is I'm not unconvinced she has something to do with them aging up. Like, uh, I don't know, the whole dog thing felt very manipulative and yeah. intentional as if she was trying to further progress them. I don't know. I don't. As, I don't in, for a second. as in Agnes killed the dog. Mm -hmm. Even though Wanda was not the brightest bulb and she just opened the door so the dog could run out. <laughs> oh, sure. But it's a, you know, 
Well, that's another thing that shows that like Wanda's clearly not in full control because if she's controlling everything, she doesn't allow her son's dog to fucking die the day they get it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just a little too hinky for me, the whole thingy-majigs. And, uh, okay, I have another theory. Yeah. All right, this is this is such a half-baked theory, but maybe may I feel like I'm really going off the rails now. Maybe Loki is building an army of sorts and he has trapped Wanda in here because he knows that she's vulnerable having lost vision and she dreams of having a family and he just wants her kids for that reason and Agnes is basically Loki's number two or whoever the big bad is they're number two keeping an eye on this situation and the dog thing is meant to uh start to cause a rift between mom and kids Hmm. if they could draw them away from Wanda maybe then they could get them you know and add the the superpower beings to whatever uh whatever army or plan they've got cooking yeah somebody's got plans for those little guys that's for sure I I also like my working theory, though I do see it possible, and I I think that they might be turning Wanda into a villain through this show, at least for a time period. Um, I don't believe that she started it as a villain. I actually think, like, I'm pretty convinced she... That whole video of her stealing Vision's body or whatever... That, to me, doesn't even read as, like, evil. That reads to, like, why are you experimenting on my dead love of my life? Mm-hmm. No. Um, and I also, you know, this the specificity of her being in a town where there was someone in the witness protection makes me think that maybe she was actually working with S.W.O.R.D. in some capacity. Why would she be there, right, of all places, this town where they had a person in protective custody. Um, There's just, I don't buy it. I don't think Wanda is currently a villain, though I think the events of the season could turn her into one. I'm kind of hoping that's not the case because we already did that. Like where she was essentially one of the villains in Ultron. Oh, sure. But like she was playing child's games at this point. Now she can alter the fabric of reality. That's a much scarier. No, that's that's very true. And I guess there's I don't know, there's a way there's a way to do it in a in a more, you know, grounded sense where, you know, the 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 villainy is driven by, you know, grief or deeply from deeply human reasons. I think that a little more open to it. I just, you know, like so much of her early arc was basically about her, you know, like being a bad guy in Ultron and, and coming around, but then having to prove to the world that she, she wasn't a destructive evil individual in civil war and, you know, then becoming a hero, becoming an Avenger. Totally. I, I don't want to backtrack. I guess it's just that every time Wanda has kids, she loses her fucking mind and goes bad. That's just every time. That's what she does. So it just seems likely that they're setting her up to be, especially because we know she's going to be in Doctor Strange. I, I see her as actually like a really, and it could be antagonist to uh, another similar transition of like, um, 
she could start to heal from that trauma and come back to to being more in control of herself and become an ally to Doctor Strange. Um, what are the that could happen by the end of the season? What are the release dates again? It's WandaVision, then it's Falcon Winter Soldier. Then what are what are the dates for both Loki and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Harry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't Harry. have. I shouldn't have. Hold on. I can get those. I had them. I had a document with it written with it written all neatly for a while. And then that disappeared. I don't, especially like with the way release dates have been lately. I don't ever know a release date. The funny thing is I literally just typed in an article fairly recently, the Doctor Strange release date, <laughs> because it was part of some of my um, Elizabeth Olsen ladies night coverage. Oh, <laughs> right. Still, yeah. I still can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, I know exactly where I put it in this article too. Um, March 25th, 2022 for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And I don't see a date for Loki. I don't know if they've announced yet. They, I think they may have just said like a year at most, but I don't even know if that. Because we didn't get an actual release date for WandaVision until very soon before I guess, it I just feel like this one had... I mean, I am seeing some articles that say May 2021. May? So, so soon. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I felt like it was. Like, uh, I don't want to say this unless I know it's 100% true. I mean, everything I'm seeing online says May 2021. Okay. Yeah. I mean... But that is the funny thing about release dates right now. It's like, yeah, but was that before it was pushed? Exactly. It's making it very confusing. But anyway, if if that is if that is the string of events, let's say Wanda goes goes evil at the end of this and it is Loki's doing, maybe she could factor into the Loki show as well and then after that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness could be where the turnaround happens. Very very interesting. Uh I just, you know, she's going to get real sad and then she's going to get real mad and then she's going to get real crazy and then hopefully she'll come back from it. I also think that Agnes killing the dog is just about right on tone for this show. It's so like uh, Wicked Witch of the West type shit. You're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. I mean, you know the theory about the character, right? No. What is this theory? That she's actually Agatha Harkness. Oh, no, that I know. Yeah. Okay, okay. Was a a witch and will be dressed as the witch in the Halloween episode. And your little dog, too. Yes, very good. Very good point. Could could the dog maybe not be dead? I would love that. (laughs) Bring back Marky, make him green. She she did have it all, like... Totally. She had... She didn't have it necessarily. She had something wrapped up in that blanket. She could have been holding anything. But now that I'm thinking about it, did they take the the thing wrapped and take it home at, at the end of the scene? I can't remember. I don't remember. We're going to need to revisit this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. And so when it comes to all these questions, like who's really doing this? What was Wanda doing before this? How did she get there? How is this really the Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men 
Or are they just trying to make us think that if it is, is this how we get mutants? Like there are so many major massive questions. That is again, why I'm like, just take me there. I don't know. Sometimes they get a little overwhelmed and that's yeah. my response. Like I just can't. But other times when I like latch onto something specific, it's, well, it's I so mean, fun. it's I'm so like invested in Agnes being a villain. So I'm not totally out of the game. I do. I, I feel real bad for the other folks in Westview. Um, I wish I could remember that one character, his name, who, um, who Vision was able to talk to. Yeah. Um, I want to actually look and him up was, really quickly because I uh, feel Avalash? like. I'm sorry. Is it Avalash? You might be right. I also want to. I, look I up think him. that's his like human name, not his fake name in the world. I wanted to look up his like the actor name too because this is a it's a performance thing. Man. Uh, Norm, Asif Ali. Ah, thank you. Is his real name. I see him now. But I just thought that his performance in that moment was so incredibly effective. It's like, other than, I guess, um, I guess we have Monica tapping into this a little bit with what she explains, but him in the moment, you could really feel the pain through his performance and specifically what he says and you know at least start to imagine what he might be feeling to have someone else in his head forcing him to do certain things and the fact that in that one beat they're able to make it feel so you know universal to the entire town that that really does up the stakes and the pressure of the situation significantly so job very well done absolutely another thing is he doesn't say Wanda's hurting me. He says she. It doesn't. It's not clear. It's fair. It could be another witch hiding in that town. <laughs> <laughs> she could be working with Loki too. I don't know. I'm just saying. She could be. She could be. <laughs> the mischief is very mischievous. Man, the show's fun to cover. It's so fun, and that's what I meant. Like at the start of the episode, I don't know if we're reviewing it or sharing theories. I just want to freaking talk about it. I don't blame you. And I know like we're using the excuse that it's mid season to do that right now, but I can't promise you that I'm not going to want to do it again next week. I don't think we need an excuse. It's our show. Our show. Do whatever we want. (laughs) We can just do WandaVision for the next four weeks. Can I count? I don't know. I, I think it ends the first week in March because I might be trying to make something happen for the end of the show. I'm not going to say anything more than that because I'm always afraid of jinxing myself, but I know that that's the end. Awesome. I think it is four because it's nine total and we've had five and I can do basic math if you give me two whole minutes. I don't want it to end. And I would be more sad about an end being so soon, except for the fact that we've got more Disney plus Marvel shows coming our way. I guess I didn't realize how like boom, 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 they're going to be coming out this year. I am mighty thankful for that. And like, Oh, what's going on with black widow. Oh, poor forgotten black. widow. Oh, I see that's that's on the one hand, I really do want to see Black Widow on the big screen. I think it deserves to be on the big screen. After all these years of talk of Black Widow finally getting her own first, uh, her own solo movie. But I do fear 
that the longer and longer it's pushed, the more that that will be the sentiment around it. Not, not, you know, not doing that with any purpose to like be unfair to the film, but it's kind of like a natural thing that comes up when you've been talking about something so long and anticipating something for so long with the promise that it's coming right around the corner only to have that stretched and stretched and stretched. It's, it's only natural to, to grow tiresome of that at some point. Of a character who is already dead and affiliated with the previous phases of a franchise that we have now seen is clearly moving in different directions. It's pretty natural to feel that way. Hopefully, because, you know, nothing in the MCU is an accident. You know, obviously that film isn't just to nod to the past. It's to set up something for the future. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that when we do finally get to see it, like it'll be so good and exciting and what it teases that that whole sentiment will be washed away. I hope so. I hope so. I hope we get it sooner rather than later, though. I'm impatient. I want more. All right. I think we've come to the end. Is there anything else we want to add about WandaVision Episode 5? I feel like there was something I wanted to say, but then it flew out of my dumb little brain because it's Friday and there's only so much, you know, you can shove in this empty bottle. I'm trying Uh, to think of any big things that were revealed we covered the dog the kids randomly aging we didn't really talk about vision and his whole response which i yeah i i still am very perplexed by their plans for vision and what exactly and as they have designed it to be so like is he alive how is he alive how much is he alive how much is he vision uh because we've seen in Paul Bettany's tremendous performance. And by the way, Paul Bettany is a smoke show in every episode, but 80s dad worked the best for me of all of them so far, except, well, 50s husband was pretty good too. They're all pretty uh, good. <laughs> but that part where he walks into the kitchen with those, the, the, yeah. I was like, sir. <laughs> um, but he's, he's doing such an interesting performance that is not really like vision we knew him before he's so funny and goofy and uh vision was always very steady and righteous and, um, which makes me wonder how much is him how like what version i don't know what is happening with vision i i do think to a point i again i don't think wanda's the big bad controlling it all entirely but i do think some of that world is shaped through her her uh ideal her ideal vision yeah, I think she is. She's maybe added some qualities to him, and I think maybe his his unique makeup is what gives him the ability to semi think for himself versus the other characters. That makes sense. Yeah, to like break through her spell without help. Uh, I yeah. Just, right. So she's doing the put. He's basically putting on the performance that she's making everyone else put on. He just has the ability to come out of it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and I mean, the other, the other part of that is also that vision has absolutely no memory of what happened before. So, I mean, one could assume that if you, you are a complete blank slate in that respect, you're just going to respond to what's around you in the immediate. But even the way he responds wouldn't be the way vision would respond. No vision we knew before. No, exactly. It would, it would have something to do with how you're being treated in that moment. And he's being treated a very unique way in sitcom land. Also, 
you know, a lot of people seem to have made their mind up that like this is the end for Paul Bettany's vision. And I hope not. And this might be the same way that I was hoping that he had more influence over the events of this show than it seems like he ultimately has last time we talked about it because I love vision so much as a character. I hope that's not true for my own personal reasons, but I also just don't see how that could be if the multiverse is the future. Oh yeah, of course. Like those rules go out the window. Right. I don't understand. How how do you not well to that, I mean then you run into the problem of like how do you not see anyone ever? Exactly. I guess what I'm saying is like no matter what happens to this vision, I refuse to give up on the character. How and so th- this is another, this could be another way to bring Loki into the the fold. It's like Wanda just getting his body can't really bring Vision back to like, I know she has resurrection powers, but what 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 are the, what's the limitation on those powers? Does she need, you know, does she need the Mind Stone or even like, even like a part of it or something fueled by it in order to, to bring him back to life? Sure. So I believe in the vision in Scarlet Witch, it's um, the Grim Reaper who does it. Mm -hmm. But, and his like logo has popped up in the background. So it's certainly possible that could be part of it. But um, I would imagine that that resurrection ability was some part of the pact she made with whatever entity is fully running things. That's my take. Okay. Sorry, I'm like processing what you just said and fitting it into my other theory. <laughs> right, right. So so you view it as Wanda Wanda willingly being in Westview. Yes. To get what she wants. Yes, but not necessarily being the person who's hurting everybody and not necessarily being aware of how much it's hurting people. Um I think I might be leaning more towards her, like her being trapped in that situation and putting on that, like her being trapped in that situation and her being manipulated based on what she wants. You know what I mean? And, and kind of going along with it to an extent, because if she doesn't, then something's going to happen to the people in there Hmm. by the evil force controlling it all. Something else that someone pointed out, this is not my thought and I don't want to take credit for it, but I don't remember where I saw the tweet. I'm very sorry. Uh, When she mind controls the people to change their guns, their whole eyes go red. We don't see anybody doing that inside of Westview. And that could be because of the perimeter or something. But I also take that as further indication that someone else is doing the uh, mind warping in there. That could be right. Yeah, yeah, could be. Anything could. could be. Yeah, and we we didn't even talk about the idea of um, like what happens when you go through it. Like I love I love the reveal of uh, the costume and the Kevlar. Yes, <laughs> together. Very cool. Very it's interesting implications for possibilities. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much. There's so much. I think we I think we should we should agree to continue this conversation whenever our hearts desire. I concur. <laughs> All right. That's it, guys. We're closing out this episode of The Witching Hour. Haley, where can everyone find your work on the internet? Until next Friday. 
You can find me on Twitter at Haley Fouch. You can find me on Instagram at Haystack McGroovy. And you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at P. Nemeroff. All right. Someone wants to say hello. Yay. Oh, my God. He's here. He's here. Now he's mad that I woke him. <laughs> I think it's shedding season. Every single time he gets off my lap, I have like a like a whole Dewey's worth of hair on me. I thought, I don't know why, I just thought you were going to say, I think it's shedding, and the idea of you calling Dewey it, like, floored me. <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm, I don't even think I'd be capable of that. I'm so like, oh my gosh. <laughs> if I ever do that, I'm, like, trapped in Westview, being mind-controlled by somebody, and it's not really me. All right, I'm not going to go crazy with that idea right now. We're out of here. You've officially survived the witching hour. Bye.